0: What is up everyone? Welcome to another No Idea Podcast. This is, it's hard to believe Adam, but this is episode number four. We're slowly getting up there, but number four. Uh, Episode number four, and we want, if you haven't already uh, done so yet, it would be awesome if you'd subscribe to our YouTube channel or our podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we are out there. uh, So to tune in and um, uh, never miss a podcast because we just, we love bringing information to you so that you can learn, you can laugh and you can learn with us as well. So we're so glad that you are tuning in today because today is a big, it's a special day. I'm super excited.
1: Big at the end of the show. Stay tuned for the whole thing, because at the end of the show, we have a huge announcement coming. Big announcement. Big announcements, and you're going to want to hear it. Uh, you're going to want to be a part of it. That's the best part of it.
0: Yes, absolutely. So uh, for those who are not watching, but you're listening, uh, my name is Aaron Sturgis, and joining me over here is my brother, Adam. Uh, and today, today, our special guest is uh, Jeremy Perry. Jeremy Perry. And Jeremy, what do you do?
2: Uh, I work for the Department of Natural Resources in the Division of Public Safety and Resource Protection. Awesome. Does this mean we're big? I mean, we got we, we <laughs> have a warden in in the studio. We have a warden in the studio. It's this e- means we're
1: kind of it's big either big or you're in trouble. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> I know. I know, right? I know. I told my brother, I'm like,
0: this is, oh, this is nerve wracking. I am not gonna lie. Uh, we,
1: so we've we've talked about shotguns. And we've talked yeah. about smokers now we yeah. have a warden. And and I, like, I was a little nervous coming into this. I was I got, like, oh, I'm like, boy. I
0: got Tannerite in here. I, got, <laughs> I just got to make sure everything. Yeah, yeah. No, but Jeremy, yeah. this is so awesome. And a yes. big reason why you're here is isn't because of what you do for a living. It's because of your passion, what you are passionate about and what you have been doing uh, since 2004, almost 20 years now. And we'll get into that. So we are so glad that you are here joining us and uh, our third uh, our third guest here on the podcast. So tell us first, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, so you're a conservation warden, warden, DNR conservation warden, um, but you're not originally from around here.
2: Right. I actually grew up in Northern Missouri, so I'm a Southern boy. Um,
0: <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> well, it,
2: the, the, you know, the funny part about that is I've lived here in Wisconsin now longer than I lived in Missouri prior to coming up here. Okay. Uh, but I still can't shake the accent. So. Yeah. Um that just tells me that you all talk weird not me <laughs> y'all, <laughs> y'all do you um
0: uh do you still have family do you get down to Mis- uh, Missouri
2: I do yeah all of my family um all still live in Missouri my mom my dad uh cousins uh, aunts and uncles um and I get down there uh, once or twice a year uh for for a few days and um I've got two young boys now so it's always great to go down there and have grandparents spoil them for a few days That's awesome yeah. So, so yeah tell us a little bit about just
1: being a warden the day not necessarily the day in life, but just you've obviously had pretty extensive experience here in Wisconsin as a warden, but just tell us what it's like being a warden here.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, um, growing up uh, being, uh, growing up on a farm, being in the outdoors uh, was always something that was near and dear to me. Every time I had an opportunity, if I wasn't in sports, I was out running around the creeks and the timbers and fields and things along those lines. And so I, I, coming from a from a family who's always appreciated law enforcement and uh, a military family, I always knew that public service was something that was near and dear to my heart. In uh, um, what better job is there than public service and the outdoors and being in in the conservation law enforcement aspect? And so, that was my uh, my dream from early on. Uh, and eventually, my dream uh, brought me to UW Stevens Point, okay. uh, where yeah. I where I graduated school yep. from there. And was lucky enough to be hired as a conservation warden in 1999, right out of right out of school. And uh, my first field station was in uh, north central Wisconsin, in Russ County. <laughs> Russ County, which... The, the yeah. first and last? The, the first and last <laughs> yes. field station I had, yes. Which we, which I'd is
0: exact, that's kind of our connection. That's where we, right. kind, of, yeah. we kind of come together, uh, our, our, our paths cross as far as Russ County and, and Bruce and whatnot. So that's how you got here, met your wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, while you were up there?
2: And yeah, my, my wife's originally from the Russ County area. Uh, her family has been there for many, many, many years. Uh, and I always joke with her that uh, an outsider coming into Russ County who has a very small population, it was probably her only chance to get outside of her family tree. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that's, that's, that. Hey, and I'll tell you what, there's only, to my knowledge, there's only one set of
1: circumstances in Russ County, and they're all yeah. out yeah. now. They're yeah. all out of there. Yeah. Can you so. um,
0: share, share with us a little bit... Um, as you think about the DNR, you think about uh, hunting, trapping, uh, fishing, and all that stuff. Just what would what would your take right now be as far as the climate, the relationship, uh, if you will, between hunters and anglers and trappers and the DNR? Because, you know, I'll be honest with you, um, the devil, which is social media, uh, seems to just be... It, there, there's been many groups that I've been on where I'm just like, man... DNR gets a bad rap, like you're mm. always out to get. Now, to clarith- clarify, you're not a biologist, correct? correct. You are a warden. You're correct. an officer yep. uh, and so forth. But what what would what would your take be right now as far as the climate?
2: You know, that's a great question. Um, it, the, the climate kind of depends on the social age structure of the audience. Okay. Um, you know, when you look at the Conservation Congress set up and, you know, the Conservation Congress is a, a, an advisory member group that provides um, um, information to the Natural Resources Board or to the Department of Natural Resources uh, through the uh, annual um, spring hearings that happen every year in April. Uh, that makeup is largely made up of some of the older generation of hunters and fishermen, uh, the folks that have a little bit different upbringing than what our generation does. That's currently coming through those mm-hmm. those ranks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's seems to be uh, more people that are coming from more urban areas that have a less of a connection to the everyday. Um, uh, uh, Soil of the earth, the mm-hmm. dirt of the earth, yeah, folks that yeah. that grew up on farms and things along those lines, so uh, a lot of their influence might come from social media or come from the the reality TV shows that you see on TV mm-hmm. all the time, and not so much yeah. from the actual um, hands-on being able to experience those things.
0: Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, I uh, my most influential years as a hunter were it was was mid to late nineties, early two thousand, mm-hmm. where I'm sitting up in <laughs> Northwest Wisconsin and I don't see a deer for 15 minutes. So I get up and walk around and I see deer. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden everybody is, it's wolves, this, it's this, it's this. And everybody's mad and they're mad mm-hmm. at, at, at other hunters. And they're mad at the DNR thinking the DNR have it out for, you know, for the, it's just like, man, when, when it, the reality is, is it, it's just, that's biology, that's how our ecosystem works and we need to understand that and so I was just I was just kind of curious but aside from that what on earth would drive you to a profession in which a majority of your confrontation is Mm. with people who are already (laughs) carrying a weapon like I would be crapping my pants like opening morning and it's (laughs) 5.30 in the morning and someone already has blasted a shot or something and you've gotten... I mean, what is that like? I mean, are you on... (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a fair question right yeah because uh, most law enforcement when they go to up to a vehicle in the middle of the night yes that's yes. that's doing something wrong they're hoping there's not a gun there. correct yep uh, conservation officers or game wardens run up there hoping that there is right <laughs> yeah because you know, yeah. they're going to be able to make a case but you know in the grand scheme of things the majority of the people that are out there utilizing our resources are in a good frame of mind yeah. they're they're relaxed and they're enjoying themselves and so when you contact somebody like that, even though there might be a violation, um, it's not because you're already going to their house because something bad has already happened and they're already in a negative mind frame. So um, that's one aspect. The other aspect of it is is that we employ people um, that are really, really good at talking to folks. Um, just for, for the, for the point that, that you mentioned there, being by yourself in the middle of nowhere, your closest backup, uh, from a law enforcement officer might be 30, 35, 40 minutes away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so especially being, in Northern Wisconsin, especially in like, Northern Wisconsin, yeah, yeah, or, no. you know, if you go out West in some of those Western states, oh, yeah. it might be hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. so we really focus hard on our training and our, um, uh, process to be able to develop our speaking skills to know how to talk to people to know how to de-escalate situations if they tend to be uh, um, uh, rising in elevation and everything along those lines so um and, and, and luckily uh you know in the 24 25 years now that i've been a conservation warden our use of force incidents are very low um and uh, nationwide when you look at at the uh, uh, all of the millions of contacts that that conservation officers have, um, uh, the use of force situations against them are are, yeah. are extremely low compared to other law enforcement. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the reason yeah. because people are generally in a good frame of mind. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So
1: a little bit, hopefully, an easier question. Like, what is the most common infraction? that you address. <laughs> Let's start with fishing first and then we'll go to hunting.
2: Yeah, it's another great question and it all depends on the time of the year, right? Okay. Uh, you yep. know, because there, there's no um, slow season mm-hmm. when it comes down to our work. In the wintertime, yeah, we're uh-huh. dealing with fishermen and, and, and hunters and snowmobilers. And then in the springtime, we're dealing with boaters, ATVs, fishermen, and hunters. And in the summertime, mm-hmm. we're, you know, it just keeps going from one busy section to the next. Mm-hmm. But for fishing, probably fishing without a license uh, yeah, is, yeah. is probably one of the more common ones. Um, it's, it's not uncommon for groups of people to get together and, um, on a whim, decide to yeah. go out and, and Somebody throws a some line and yeah. I just didn't think about it. Yep. Yep. Kind of and, and in today's society, it's, uh, or in today's, um, um, technology use, it's, it's a little bit easier to get your license than what it was 20 years ago. You know, you yeah. had to run down to the gas station or the clerk of courts. Now you in five minutes, you can pull it up on, and buy one on your phone.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and we're still, I mean, that was the last uh, spring listening session is we're still, we're back at, you know, wanting to go back to back tags, you mm-hmm. know, pulling into the gas station, registering the deer versus what we've been doing for the last couple of years. So it's been really, really fascinating. What would be your number one suggestion? So you pull up on me, <laughs> you know, and, and I might be like, oh, yeah, I think I might. I mean, what would be your just, you know, like any... Even law enforcement officer, mm-hmm. you know, you just, the, the, just be honest. Yeah, that's
2: just. That, I mean, that, don't that's, be, don't... That, that's absolutely exactly <laughs> correct. Honesty goes a long, long ways. Yeah. You know, sometimes even when you're when you're honest, um, there's still going to be consequences for your action, but they yeah. will be yeah. far less severe yeah. than what they would have been yeah. had you had you lied about it. And I used to talk about this in the hunter education classes that. Um, uh, that I would, I would speak at uh, when I was in the field. And I, I remember a, uh, a story that I used to tell. Uh, when I was, I don't know, probably four or five years old, if that, um, I had a BB gun, uh, and uh, I loved to shoot things. <laughs> and um, uh, one time I shot the window out of my mother's car, and I, I wasn't paying any attention. It was uh, back beyond the, my bottle that I had set up to, to shoot, and I never realized it. Um, and then uh, my mom realized it pretty quickly and she came looking for me and, um, uh, uh, kind of gave me the riot act and, and then the, the dreaded words that says, wait till your dad gets home. Right. Cause mm-hmm. you knew your life was about to end. If mom was bad enough to say, uh, you know, wait till your dad gets home. So I'm trying to, to contemplate, um, where my, my life is at right at that point in time and what my options were when I hear the door open, my dad walks in. <laughs> Um, I can hear him and my mom talking downstairs. He comes upstairs and he he sits down on the bed next to me and he says, uh, "Hey, did you shoot the window out of your mother's car?" <laughs> I said, "No, sir." <laughs> um, and I can see just the look of disappointment on his face. I can still see it today. Um, and then he opened up his hand and inside of his hand was a little golden, copper-colored BB. and He says, "Why was this in her back seat then?" <laughs> and uh, uh, i got punished uh, and and i earned it uh, but the 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 lesson that he taught me there um, is something that i still hold very true today and that is uh, um, you know it doesn't matter what you do uh, everybody's human you're going to make mistakes it's how you handle that mistake is where the true test of your character is and so i've 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 used that um in the enforcement that uh, that I've encountered in my job, you know, if you're honest with me, we'll we'll work through it. Um, if you lie to me, well, we got some more problems. We're gonna have to work through those too. Well,
1: and I like that you point out that I mean, and this this gets super deep, but I mean, that's such a cultural thing in our, even co- I'll go as extensive as country right now. Like no, I know people that will just they'll make up stuff just because they don't want to accept the consequence. Even mm-hmm. if it's it's okay to say you made a mistake, yeah. you're still gonna accept yeah. the consequence. And we make daily yeah. mistakes. And, and again, this goes across, not just, this goes way outside the parameters of what we're talking right now, but it is. And, I, and in my profession, I see it all the time too. And right. how many, um, when you were in school, uh, mm-hmm. if the teacher called home, uh, they probably said, you know, sided with the teacher. And yeah, of now course. it's kind of a little bit opposite, where of it's what oh, they're going to defend, whatever. And that's, again, it's a cultural thing. Right. And that's where we're at. And I'm sure you see that you know, a ton in the field, but so despite all of that and the challenges, um, you obviously thrive on your, probably your interactions, but what is it about being a warden that you absolutely, that just drives you? What do you absolutely love about doing what you do?
2: Uh, Being in the outdoors Mm -hmm. and interacting with people. Um, the, 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 in my opinion, the two best things that you could do and earn a paycheck on in this world is to be outdoors and interacting with people every day trying to make a difference. You know, one of the, um, one of the things that's always been important to me was, uh, uh you know, try to, try to make it a little bit better for your kids mm-hmm. and hopefully your kids will make it a little bit better for your grandchildren. And, mm-hmm. and after you go through a, a couple of generations like that, just imagine what a world would be if, if everybody had that yeah. ty- type of yes. philosophy.
1: And I know a lot of people say that, 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 well, that's, that's very Miss America pageant type of mm-hmm. a thing. But if we don't have people striving for that, then, who good lord. It's yeah, how,
2: how are we going to get any better as a society if you don't have those type yeah. of people out there? And
1: one and one of the things I'll quickly point out, and I know uh, in a very near podcast, we're going to be talking with a few people about balancing uh, lifestyles with kids in mm-hmm. the outdoors. Uh, Aaron and I are also currently doing our little mini book club thing with uh, Stephen Ornella of the meat eater just wrote a book and released it um, within the past month called um, I believe it's outdoor kids in an inside world yeah um, and he talks about hearing you talk about your upbringing and stuff as being at eye level with nature not looking mm-hmm. down on it like it's right. gross or dirty or icky or dangerous Uh, not looking up at it like it's some magical thing either, but just being that we are part of it, we are. And I think, again, we have to strive for that. Even though though we may think or know that it's in our generation is impossible to get to, we still have to reach for it. Because if we don't, if we don't at least attempt, then our kids lose it and then their kids have no chance of it. At least if we instill that into our kids, then there's a chance that the next generation gets it. Because if we don't, then the next generation has no hope.
2: Oh, exactly right. E- even if you live in town, you live in the city, you're still connected with our resources, right? You yep, walk outside, absolutely. you take a big deep breath, that clean air, that's a resource. Yep. Why is that air clean? It's because the people who came before us set standards on what that air should, should be. Or, you, you know, think about it this way, you go to the tap, you turn it on, you get a, a, a glass of clean water so, so you don't think twice about it right you take a drink of that water knowing that it's safe to drink um, and it got safe because of the people who came before us setting those standards and then yeah. you have yeah. the the people of today that work in the natural resources profession and they're in the regulatory side of things that are ensuring that tomorrow it's still going to be there
1: yep. and that's that part of that's why conservation in itself is so important and again preservationists don't we don't touch it. It is what it is, and mm-hmm. we don't touch it. We're conservation we're interacting with it, and we're going to maintain it so that we can continue to either enjoy it or use it or whatever right. it is. So right. that's
0: that really segues into why you're here, and that's, hmm. and yeah. for those who are watching or listening but not watching we're and don't close. see it, we're getting close. But uh, he has a shirt on that says "Hunt of a Lifetime" since 2004, um, and it says, uh, "What does it uh, look on the back?" Oh, where magic happens. I love that, where magic happens. So um, this kind of, n- not to take too much from you, because I want you to describe this, but this really came from you recognizing a trend, mm-hmm. uh, and that is just the number of youth uh, not participating, right? Right, um, yep. w- w- Expand on that. So, I mean, this really, this really started in early 2000.
2: Yeah, so... Um, Uh, For those of you who've never been to Rust County, it is a blue-collar, hard-working type of of community up there. Um, They work hard, they play hard, uh, and they are very connected, uh, what I always call the hook and bullet crowd. They love to fish, they love to hunt, uh, and um, uh, from that connection and from the work that that I was doing up there, one of the things that really troubled me was I wasn't seeing a lot of youth uh, hunting outside of the traditional deer hunting camps. Um, I didn't see very many youth turkey hunting, um, duck blinds was almost uh, um, uh, vacant of any any kids, um, no rabbit hunting, squirrel hunting or anything along those lines. And so I got to talking to some of the other sportsmen and, and women around the county and um, they were saying the same things, you know, we're not seeing a lot of participants, we're seeing a lot of kids come through hunter education, we're not seeing a lot of kids actually out there on the landscape, so we all sat around a table and got to talking and, and decided, you know, what are we gonna do about this? What can we do as a group? What, what is there that we can provide more opportunities to the kids? Uh, and uh, that's how the Safe Hunters of Tomorrow, or, or the acronym SHOT, uh, was founded. Um, and we decided that our focus on that program was going to be to pr- provide uh, outdoor hunting type of educational opportunities for Russ County's youth. And, um, uh, we started with a, a youth turkey hunt uh, in 2003, and that was a, a very successful program. Uh, we had a couple of fundraisers to, to um, get funds because uh, our goal was that um, uh, money was not going to be a barrier, mm-hmm. right? We wanted everybody to have an opportunity, whether you, know, you were poor or whether you were a millionaire, it didn't matter, uh, but all of our programs were going to be free of charge. Uh, And so that that fall, we did a a youth outdoor field day, uh, where we had all we invited all of Russ County's uh, hunter education graduates to come out uh, to uh, the trails in facility, where we had different types of out hunting outdoor um, themed stations set up so that they could learn about turkey hunting, they can learn about bear hunting, they learn about waterfowl hunting, they learn tree stand safety, they they shot uh, trap, they shot muzzle loaders, they shot 22s. they were able to experience all of this in one day. So um, it was a great way to supplement the hunter education program, uh, which focused on, on firearm safety, and, but it really didn't give the kids an opportunity to really um, uh, experience a lot of those different uh, uh, activities. So uh, that was very successful, had great feedback from that. And then uh, one of our founding members of the program uh, had a uh, son with special needs. And he approached us at one time and says, hey, you know, it's great that we're doing all, the, all this stuff for our able-bodied kids, but the kids that are really struggling, to have uh, severe disabilities or uh, life-altering illnesses, there's really not much for them to do. Uh, there's not a whole lot of opportunities, and what can we do for them? And that was a, a, a great question, uh, something that quite frankly really, really struck home for me because that was a, a, a population of the outdoors that at that point in time, doing some research on, was really being neglected. There was really not a lot of opportunities out there for them. So again, we sat around the, the, the table with a couple beverages with that group and uh, decided that we wanted to do something special for them. And, and that's where the hunt of a lifetime was, was born from. So, um, no, so to
1: quickly, yeah. to, sorry to, to just to kind of pause for a second, mm-hmm. um, you know, any, any type of outdoor pursuit, um, be it hunting, fishing, skiing, hiking, canoeing, mm-hmm. anything like that, um, we've, we've just talked about this before we started tonight was the biggest limitation, the biggest restriction is access. So the, the number one reason people get out of hunting, fishing, or anything to do with the outdoors, uh, or the biggest thing that prevents them from getting into it is access to be able to do that. And I just want to make that point because again, we have able-bodied people that are mm-hmm. having a difficult time accessing mm-hmm. our resources. Yep, yeah. Yep. Um, so then to think about the challenges of that, we don't think about because we can walk out to a tree. Stand. Right. We don't think about the fact of a kid that would love to, wants to, but is in a wheelchair. So how do you mm-hmm. get them a quarter mile into the woods and into an, in a situation and into an opportunity where they can harvest an animal? Yeah. Um, so again, that just, uh, just as a kind of a segue and just kind of tying that all together, I think that's really important because access is so Um, and we talked about it here and talks about his, you know, his first, you know, your first bow Mm -hmm. deer that just happened a few years ago where you mounted it. And I, we hunted, I mean, I'm, Mm I'm, I'm 38 and I've, my biggest deer is a, probably a (laughs) 70 inch six pointer. I mean, that's which Mm -hmm. I I don't care, but I've harvested many deer, but I, but the point is, is that's because of the challenge of of the access to things not right. and I, I'm not doing it to get a 140 but that's mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that just don't have that access and this is where um it strikes home for me because in my, in my profession too I I um I work very closely with with young um young adults that are would have struggled with that access and we'll get yeah. into that a little bit more here shortly so describe describe the program. Um, Uh, and examples of youth who've participated in this. Yeah,
2: excellent. So once we figured out that's the direction we wanted to go, um, then the next challenge, uh, to your point uh, just a minute ago, is uh, where do we have... Someplace where we have uh, access to where we can mm-hmm. we can get yep. some of these kids into those areas where that where they need to be and and do so uh, without uh, further further injuring them and things along those lines because some of the kids that that we had in mind for this program are severely uh, challenged mobily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, we were lucky enough to have a, a, a businessman up in Russ County Bill Rands is his name um, Bill was a, a, a a very detail-oriented outdoorsman uh, who also had some limitation yeah. challenge. He, he uh, um, injured himself quite severely, falling out of a, of a deer stand, uh, and um, it kept his passion for the outdoors, and so he uh, developed a lot of his property to be handicap-accessible. Unreal. Um, where there's uh, um, uh, blinds that were set up uh, with a door wide enough that you can put a wheelchair in. Okay. I mean, just something as simple as, as that. Um yeah. Paved areas, and once we got going with the program, um, uh, he and a, a couple of the other um, um, mentors in the program, tote Binnick and a couple of others, uh, came up with a, a an elevated solution deer stand that's all mobile. You you wheel it out there, you put it up against the tree, you wheel the wheel the wheelchair in, you lock it in, and then it's battery powered to go up. To give the kids an uh, an opportunity to see what it's like to actually hunt from a tree stand and not just hunt from the ground. That behind. is
0: that is amazing. It is. Tell what about like the guns, like the rifles? Excuse me. Um, explain that too, because you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: being able to being able to hold it and pull the trigger and mm-hmm. aim and all that would be pretty difficult. To mm-hmm. Speak a little bit about this. This is really cool.
2: Yeah, it was a. Um, it was a problem that we never really anticipated until <laughs> we were faced with it, right? So our, our first couple of years, our hunters were, were fairly able um, in their upper body, so they could uh, hold and manipulate a firearm. Um, they could sight through the scope and the whole nine yards. Well, um, uh, we had one uh, uh, individual that, that came to us that can't. Mm-hmm. All right, but now what do we do? We, well, let's get to the drawing board and let's let's see what we can come up with. And um, through Bill's connections and the the uh, um, inventive nature of of his friends, they came up with a uh, a gun that sets on a um, tripod uh, with a closed uh, uh, circuit television screen mm-hmm. that looks through the scope. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a it's a bigger screen that the uh, um, the hunters can look at a uh, sip and puff system uh, where you suck through the straw and it makes the gun go boom. Uh, and then we actually uh, had to elevate that after a few years of using that program because we had a, a, a child that couldn't suck through a straw. So we okay. had to develop a, a push button system to make the gun go boom. You know, So um, the, the, one of the biggest things for us is that there is no child with any type of disability that is limitless for us to get out there in the outdoors. Everybody
1: has an ability.
2: Absolutely. They have an ability. Yes,
1: absolutely. That's the absolutely. That's the biggest thing too. That's absolutely. That is absolutely incredible. And and the one we'll talk about, and I can I, we can talk freely about him is Trevor. Trevor is a student <laughs> that I had, um, and that's that's kind of what brought us together uh, today. Um, uh, Trevor's teacher showed me a picture of him, you know, ho- you know, it's a gripping grin with Trevor, mm-hmm. and uh, that was one of the most powerful things that I've seen and, and, and you, you nailed it. Everybody it just needs, may, might need some more modification, but everybody has that ability. And so to see Trevor, um, you know, and Trevor was not able to communicate things, but he through traditional methods of speaking and things like that, but he was able to tell you, um, you know, when he was happy and not and what yes and no and that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. So to see, and that's kind of the biggest thing is, is, that's a small example of the, of the big, bigger population that's there. But there's a lot, there's a lot of, of kids and adults that, um, would, I mean, you give them that opportunity and right. it opens up a whole new door for them. Yep. yep. So what do you, um,
0: uh, like what, what kind of species, everything, bear, turkey, deer?
2: Yep. So, uh, we focused this hunt specifically on, on deer and bear. It, okay. At first it was just bear. Um, that was our, our first idea. And in, in talking with Bill, he says, well, if you're going to come up and you're going to stay, we've got all kinds of deer up here. You might as well throw deer in there, too. Yep. And so we did. Um, and uh, I, I'll tell you, I'm going to throw a little plug out, out there for, for Bill just from oh. the standpoint that um, it, it is really uh, interesting to see the evolution of hunters, right? Cause, um, we all know, um, the traditional evolution of hunters, right? It, mm-hmm. it goes from, um, uh, to the point where you can start hunting and then it's all about bagging, you know, how, yep. how many animals can I, can I bag out? Mm-hmm. And then it goes down to the, um, which, you know, the trophy hunter, the biggest, right? Yeah. yeah how the trophies, can I kill yeah. it, the biggest one and put all that time in? And then you finally you get to the stage of passing along that, mm-hmm. that ethic and in yep. s- yep. your, your, um, value of the hunt now comes from the smile of the youth or the others that you're helping yeah. hunt and uh, um, I seen that with Bill and it was really cool to see because our, our first year uh, into the program uh, Bill has uh, a large tract of property and he very uh, intensely manages that for, uh, for deer hunting and uh, he had a few deer that were uh, on his harvest list, or but it wasn't on our harvest list, right? <laughs> yep, you know, okay. we, we, we can shoot management bucks, but not these bucks. Okay. Um, and so we went through that first year uh, with that. And then the next year, um, I, I seen a little bit of a change in Bill. He says, uh, uh, you know, there are these two big ones and these are off, you know, but uh, here's some some decent ones. We'll put those on, on the kill list. And then by the third year, um, the the change was unbelievable uh it went from you guys aren't going to harvest these deer to nobody is going to harvest these deer until those kids get the opportunity to shoot those deer
0: shout out to bill yeah that is (laughs) no um to participate in this uh i think it's a three-day correct yeah it's a three-day hunt so does um does he you know do you all provide the lodging Mm -hmm. all that meals Everything. everything okay that that's amazing. Cause I've been to his place and it is, it is, you walk in and you're like, this is, this is uh, God's playground. I mean, it's just, it's just awesome. And yeah. the fact that he's opened it up mm-hmm. and, and done that is just a huge shout out to him, uh, to him for that. But so they harvest a deer or a bear. Mm-hmm. Then what do you do? Um, because some of these families never done this before.
2: Right, right. Um, so, uh, just to go back just, just a little bit, um, All of that is free of charge to our our families. okay. And and that's done through donations and fundraisers and things along those lines. Um, So it's a three-day event. Um, We get our permits to be able to harvest these animals through the DNR's Learn to Hunt program. Okay. Um, So there's certain educational requirements that come along with that. So uh, uh, we usually meet in the uh, the morning of the first day and we go through all of those educational requirements um, for the Learn to Hunt program, which, uh, Gives us the ability to have those those permits to harvest those those animals. So we we harvest a buck and a doe, uh, and and a bear. So the the first first afternoon or the first uh, morning into the afternoon is is education, and then that afternoon is a deer hunt. Next morning is a bear hunt. Afternoon deer hunt. Next morning bear hunt if needed, and then um, uh, that afternoon of the third day is is our wrap up celebration. So we really try to make. Uh, the event, not so much about harvesting the animals, but of what brings us all together yeah. um, uh, in, in the nation from a hunting standpoint, and that's the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the ability to get together, to share a common goal, to share a love for the outdoors and, and be able to do that with others is really the drive that, that, that keeps the outdoors alive and keeps hunters engaged in, in, into this. And so um, it's a big wrap-up celebration. All the families are there. Um, we have uh, many of the families uh, of our previous uh, participants that, that come up specifically for that. Um, uh, we make a pretty big deal out of it. There's a, each, each hunter gets a plaque that has their specific mm-hmm. uh, hunt on it and things along those lines. And then the, the taxidermy for the animals is all... Yep. All free. It's all uh, um, uh, donated in part by the taxidermist and, and through the other funds. The processing of the meat the same way. Yep.
0: Oh man, that is that is phenomenal. And you've been doing this for how long? Since
2: well, our first hunt was 2004, so okay. we're pushing 18 years now. Oh, 18 years. Yeah.
0: And this is all uh, basically donation driven.
2: Correct. You know, whether
0: it's donation of property, time. Mm-hmm. Uh, resources all the way up to obviously there's some finances behind that some yep. some monetary so
2: yep yep all of our mentors everybody I mean it takes a village uh, mm-hmm. really to, to to put on an event like this and to make it run as seamless as what it does uh, and there are a pile of people that that make it possible. Um, the members of the Safe Hunters of Tomorrow program, uh, a little bit of a financial backing, but they, they bring a lot of muscle and yeah. a lot of manpower into it. Because let's face it, ap- after you have 15 people uh, there for breakfast and everybody goes hunting, <laughs> somebody's got to do the dishes, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so that job is just as important as yep. the, the, the person who's out there sitting with the kids to mentor them and things along those lines. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's and right. there's, so from a monetary standpoint, we're going to talk
1: about that in a second, but from... From a client standpoint, um, what who are we looking at, 12, I think it's 12 to 18, right? What, who are we looking at to, for, for people, if anybody's listening or watching, yeah. that would be, knows somebody or um, has somebody that would be a, a potential
2: candidate for something Gr- like that? Great question. Um, you know, that's one of our challenges, uh, is finding the, the participants to, to, to come along on this hunt. Um, and there's a couple of, of what, uh, barriers that we've identified to that. The first one is, uh, you know, when you, when, you, when you have a special needs child or um, a, a child that really has a lot of uh, attention that has to be paid, to him or her, uh, to come up into northern Wisconsin into a cabin with a whole bunch of strangers <laughs> is a pretty intimidating <laughs> task. Is, right? Yep. No doubt. Um, uh, that and then the other thing too is that um, those families are proud families. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. uh, it's very difficult for them to uh, be able to accept uh, uh, an opportunity like this because they're 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 proud, uh, and so. Um, we all know of people out there, of, of kids that would absolutely love this opportunity. Uh, and so the challenge is just uh, um, getting them pointed in the right direction and, and uh, getting them to, to, to take that little step of, of faith and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and give us a, an opportunity. Um, uh, but we, we really focus on, on the youth. Um, uh, it used to be 12. It started out as 12. Um, uh, so we've had a few 10 and 11-year-olds in there. Um, and the reason it started out at 12 was because there was a hunter education requirement of the of the program. But now that um, uh, we have the mentor opportunities uh, through the, the, uh, the laws that were passed, um, mm-hmm. we don't have that age restriction mm-hmm. as much anymore. Uh, and um, uh, we try to focus on that 18, 19 uh, time frame, but we have had uh, some um, uh, hunters in their, in their early 20s mm-hmm. that are cognitively challenged Mm -hmm. uh along with being physically challenged from um uh, traumatic brain injuries that happened when they were eight nine ten years old that has kind of locked them into that type of of um um, mental aptitude yeah
1: awesome so anybody listening right now um if you if you know of anybody or have uh, anybody, uh, please reach out to us, um, or hunt of yep. a lifetime. Um, we would gladly like, again, it's, that's a tough thing, especially if it's not in your wheelhouse, if mm-hmm. it's not, you know, necessarily your family's, um, in your family's background or heritage or culture within your family, that's a challenge. That could be a challenging thing to say, okay, I'm going to put my kid in a, a situation to harvest an animal, things like that. But, um, again, it's, it's an opportunity right it's, it's right. an opportunity for them so anybody listening uh, please reach out and we can we can get you connected with hunt of a lifetime uh, to provide that opportunity uh, yeah. for somebody and We'll it,
0: provide the links we'll provide the links down below of this yep.
1: episode so
2: yeah great um, and, and just I got a cool story I'll share with you hmm, uh, know, you, you yeah. just just triggered one there so uh, a few years ago we had a we had a hunter um, uh, that uh, harvested his his buck. And harvested his his bear, and then that afternoon, uh, we were sitting in the stand to, to harvest a doe. Uh, beautiful night. Uh, his 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 family was up in the stand with us, and um, a beautiful large dry doe comes out onto the onto the food plot. I mean, from a management perspective, this is a deer that that we want to take off the landscape. Uh, and he he was also nonverbal, but he was done. Uh, he he was done hunting. Um, mm-hmm. Wanted to stay out there and wanted to continue to watch the deer, but. Uh, the harvest for him was done, mm-hmm. okay. uh, and that was a cool thing to see. Uh, you know what? Uh, let alone for somebody who um, this is their first time hunting, but any child uh, amongst a bunch of big burly hunters in a stand that's saying, "That's the one, let's shoot it," to say, "No, I'm, yeah, I'm, I doctor's. am content. I've, I've, I'm happy just just watching." You've, this.
0: You've, yeah. you've witnessed that connection right. happen. Absolutely, right? that all hunters. Uh, Talk about when you harvest something you there's something inside of you. That's Mm -hmm. like yep, but then you get to a point where yeah I'm good,
2: right? I'm done. Right absolutely man.
0: That is awesome. All right, so really quickly uh, back to the program Uh, Can you share a little bit more about how how it's sustained? Mm -hmm. uh, Money grant money. How can how can people help?
2: Yeah, Uh, thanks for that question Um, so uh, the Safe Hunters of Tomorrow holds a uh, a summer fundraising event every year, and a portion of those proceeds come back to the the Hunt of a Lifetime. Um, uh, Bill Rains, through his graciousness, uh, through his business, also donates um, uh, some of the funds to the program, uh, and the rest of the funds just come from from donations. Uh, we've had uh, memorial donations from. Uh, Folks that have passed away, and rather than to um, get flowers at their funeral or go to the American Cancer Society or anything along those lines, they've designated it to be part of the hunt of a lifetime. Uh, And then just um, at-will donations from folks.
0: That is awesome. Well, that segues into our big announcement.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Boom, boom. Boom, (laughs) boom. There you
0: go. Adam and I are wearing a T-shirt, and this T-shirt is an awesome T-shirt. And this T-shirt was made by Bo Janky who, if you are into the music world, uh, Them coolie Boys, and what he does is he carves, he carves the logo out of wood, and then he literally paints on ink and presses it onto a T-shirt. So he made these for us. He made 100 of them, and we're super excited because we are launching these, and you can find these T-shirts at noidea.tv. And here's the cool thing. Buy one of these T-shirts, and 100% of the proceeds goes towards a hunt of a lifetime and so our goal is to raise a couple thousand dollars you know and it's just it's just a couple thousand but Mm -hmm. we just we you know we have been blessed with the opportunities uh to be able to hunt and the access to hunt and to fish and and so forth and we just we want to This is something we want to get behind and help with. So again, if you're watching or listening, go to noidear.tv, and you can purchase these here. You can uh, have us, Adam and I will deliver it uh yeah. we'll deliver it free of charge if you want. Um, but we'll also mail it out to you as well. We hired my mom. My
1: mom's the one that's gonna organize this. <laughs> she early. already has the t shirts all organized by size and number. And you you yeah. know my mother, uh, our mother yep. from there, her yes. time as a There's deputy not court. gonna be any problem no, whatsoever. No. Everything's they're, gonna be right on her accounting no. skills are pretty yep. impeccable, but uh, yeah, check it out. Um, there's going to be options. We're working on options to also um, the the shirts will be twenty dollars. Is that correct? Twenty dollars. Uh, we're working out options if you want to also donate more money in addition to the twenty dollars for the t-shirts um, on that website. So again, noideer.tv And
0: if you donate, here's the cool thing: if you purchase it for twenty, you donate, you know, let's say thirty, you'll get a really cool uh, car decal. If you do fifty. <laughs> You'll get a car decal and a hat, and if you do 100, uh, Adam will drink a White Claw, sign that empty White Claw, and send <laughs> it to you as well with, with the car side. decal. It'll be awesome.
1: I have a feeling Nick's going to get one of these. Nick, yeah, Nick. <laughs> Nick, Nick'll you're, get you're, on, it on, you're on the hanger for 100 bucks <laughs> here, buddy. Yeah. So, uh-huh. so
0: we, we just want to throw our support behind this because, again, we believe in uh, access. We believe in conservation, uh, and we just believe in what you and... Every, like you said, the, probably the hundreds of people that have their mm-hmm. hands involved in some way, shape, or form that is doing this and providing this for somebody who probably would never be able to have this opportunity. So w- thank you, man. This is uh, awesome.
2: No, thank you guys. I mean, that, that yeah. what, uh, what you all are doing to help the program is nothing mm-hmm. short of amazing. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, Adam, you got anything else?
2: No, I mean, I'm
1: just, I know I've, I know I'm always the quiet one anyways, but I just, yeah. I'm again, I'm at all. Thank you and Bill and and everybody. I mean, it, I, can't, I can't imagine uh, what it takes, but also again, the, the impact that what, what in, in some people may come, they may do it and then that's it. And mm-hmm. then they're and, and they had a good experience and it's awesome. Uh, but also it could open up doors for mm-hmm. people. And that's, that's what I think is the biggest part. Um, because again, I mean, we, have to, and it's not just about getting more hunters in the field. Right. It's about getting more people that are going to conserve absolutely. our resources. Mm-hmm. Cause if we don't have anybody, whether they're hunters or conservationists or anything, if there's nobody there, um, there's a lot of big problems that can happen. So, yeah. I mean, this, this is absolutely incredible. So thank you this seriously, awesome. um, from the bottom of our hearts for everything that you've done and connecting with us. And I know, We've been at this for a couple months, texting back and forth. Right. Like, hey, does this yeah, not work? Yeah, does this yeah, not work? Yeah. But it's, it's uh, like
0: it's like three dads trying to get their yeah, so, yeah, ca- right? calendars yeah. together. We yeah. got t ball, we got wrestling, yeah, yeah. we got soccer, we no. got this <laughs> and that. It's, but, it's not wrestling,
1: it's it's wrestling. <laughs> isn't it? it depends on where you're from. <laughs> yeah. Right? Depends <laughs> it on where you're from. Wrestling. Or if
2: you're a basketball player, I mean it's it's okay. Yeah. It's just, it's <laughs>
1: and and right. I I do want to give a shout out to Russ Because you yep referenced it, Aaron and I will admit uh, we're Ross County boys, or uh, born and raised in Bruce. And I mean, there's, I think of the Goodes, the Johnsons, the Burnaps. The I mean, I, like you said, what would you call them? Hookin' hookin' The hook and bullet crown. Hook and bullet crown. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a good thing. Like, oh my <laughs> hook god, hook and that's, bullet. That's, that's awesome. Hey, that's a t-shirt. We that's, that's, should do a shirt I oh, There you <laughs> go. You go no idea. Hook <laughs> and, and bullet. Ross County. Like just put that Ross County map on it. I mean, but it is that's you know that's as cheesy as it is. That's our homeland. I mean, that's that's where and there's there's so many things not just to do, but to be engaged in. Um, and it's, it's an awesome place to be and not, no better place for a program like hunt of a lifetime. Yep. So yep. Awesome. yeah. well,
2: And then just think about it from that standpoint too, just to uh, piggybacking on that shout out to the Russ County crowd, one of the poorest counties in the state Yep. Uh, and people there are more than willing to open up their, their pocketbooks yeah. and their, their wallets to make sure that those kids have that opportunity. Yeah. And that's yeah. nothing short of amazing.
1: Absolutely. And the, the Hegelholzes—they used to have the pheasant farm right on. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still got a pheasant farm yep, there. Yep. Yeah, We're still there. That's, yes. I played baseball or basketball with with Jason. I mean, <laughs> I none of them would probably listen to this, but it'd be awesome. <laughs> if they did. That'd, be, that'd
0: be great. It's gonna go viral because
2: we got this guy. Yeah. Oh shoot. Jeremy, so yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm sitting on stools here. So my feet are out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, right. You
0: well, again, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you haven't yet subscribed to us, find us on our socials, Instagram, Facebook, subscribe on Apple iTunes or Spotify as well. But again, big thank you to Jeremy, big shout out to Bill Rands up North as well. And that whole host of men and women who make a program like this happen. So, okay. Good talk. See you out there. Thanks fellas. Thank you.